morning, Esty. Good morning. So today we're going to talk about Purim. Yeah. And I think the reason we're going to speak about it is because Purim is about to come up. And if I could tell you that every single client that's coming into my office, the thing on their mind is Purim. Yeah. Either how they love it or how they're excited for it, but also how they have memories from it and what to do because there's certain parts of it that are hard. Yeah, I I agree with you. That's, you know, that's the big topic right now. And over my years of experience, every time it comes up to really any holiday, there's a lot of feelings about it. Mm-hmm. But Purim, I think, is one of the bigger ones. One yeah. of the bigger ones that bring up more emotions and more feelings about what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when we think about like other, other Jewish holidays, like they're longer. Like Purim, I would say, is pretty short. It's one day. It goes by really fast. It could be like three days, though, because there's like the fast day first, then Purim, yes. then the Shushan Purim. So like kind of feels like a three-day package because you have your kids home for three days. Right. <laughs> for people that have their kids home, you know, that's how my mind works. Yantif is now as many days as you are home. Pesach right. is seven weeks. You know, I'm kidding. Pesach is forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like... But it's the shorter it's the ones. Shorter it's the shorter one. ones of the holidays. Of things, like it's the shorter ones. And so therefore like, okay, it's one day, two days, three days, but then it's over with. But somehow like so many emotions come up with that day and so many associations come up with that day. So we wanted to talk a little bit so that way we can like explore like what others feel about Purim and how to make the Purim, how to make your Purim more enjoyable. Yeah. And I think this is so important to like kind of go through like between, you know, myself, my friends and clients from my practice and yourself and your friends and Mm -hmm. clients from your practice, all the different reasons why people like and dislike Purim or what they find hard about Purim or what they find triggering about Purim. I think it's so helpful because I think that people might be suffering and they don't know why. They just know that they don't like it or mm-hmm. they just something's unpleasant or they're just in a bad mood, but they don't actually know why. And when you mm-hmm. know why, you already have half the answer. Exactly. Because you know what you can do about it or what not to do about it, but at least you know what's going on for you underneath. Right. There's something so powerful about naming it and labeling it. And, you know, it reminds me of Purim. So generally, like, like to dress up, like, you know, get into the into the mood of things. Like when I was single with my friends, Purim was such a fun day. Like we would, you know, all go together. Like at some, some points I was working for a school, so the kids would come over. And, you know, you get to see all them with their parents and their costumes. It's just like exciting and making the shalachmanas for them. And then we would go to like different hospitals and, you know, sing for elderly Sorry. patients <laughs> and sick patients. It was just like a fun day. There was like lots of good memories, lots of good memories by the students. Um, though, like, as I got older, like, I think it shifted for me a little bit because it's not the same, right? Obviously, in everything in life, it's always evolving. And, you know, I'm thinking back to last year, like, what Purim was for me. And um, you remember we dressed up as clowns. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited. I probably prepared like a month in advance, like ordering all the things oh, on Amazon <laughs> and like preparing all the boxes, like the little clown boxes and like the red noses. And I was like on on a high, just preparing for it. By the time Purim came in the morning, we came home from Megillah and um, we only dress up after. And um, my husband can't find the shoe for his balloon, for his clown costume. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like I find myself getting so upset. And disappointed and feeling like I've worked so hard to make this so exciting. And I wanted today to be the funnest day ever. And I want the costumes to look amazing. And I want the shalachmanos to be great. And I want everybody to just be happy and have a good time. And this is going to ruin my entire day because you don't have the shoe of your clown costume. And I, I remember like all that excitement just like dropped in one second and I started like losing it. And I was upset at myself because it's like, wait, you're supposed to be happy today. You're supposed to be excited today. You've you've looked forward to this and now your emotions aren't listening to what it's supposed to be feeling on this day. Yeah. And so like I think like that part for me, like it totally took me off course and it took me a while to like get back to it and saying like perm is going to be what it's going to be. I can prepare as much as possible, but the expectation of today has to be the funnest day in the world and I can't feel any bad feelings and I can't be upset about anything and everything just has to work out. That's what was making me upset. 
Like, if I would have expected things to go wrong, I think I would have took that more in stride and be like, okay, you're going to be like, you know, a one-legged clown. Right. Um, but instead, and maybe that's part of being a clown, is that you only have like one one shoe on and, you know, makes it really funny. But my emotions Actually, yeah, and my expectations. Like if you've been dressed up only with like one, right? It would be funny, right? And then walking around the sneaker. <laughs> At that show. point, like you know, when everybody is drunk, like nobody even notices, and like exactly. it just it looks like they probably did lost it a, in the street. Did he, did he not have a shoe? The end he of didn't the find farm? it. No, so he wore entire, one shoe. He wore one. I don't even remember. You see, look at that. Yeah, yeah. You probably thought like it just fell off in the middle. Like, I don't know something. if I even noticed. <laughs> Honestly. Right, nobody's really noticing. Nobody cares. Exactly. <laughs> That's the lesson of but life. But it's for the for the picture, yes. right? We want it for the picture. But 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 I think our expectations really really set the bar so high that if it doesn't happen. We're then really disappointed. Yeah. And I think like disappointment, like that feeling that comes up for people is hard. It's hard to, you know, manage your expectations versus what perm was as a child and what it is as an adult and how it's changed. And depending where you are in your life, if you are, you know, post high school or you just got married or you just have kids, like they're all transitions. Mm -hmm. I think like holidays mark that like, oh, last year I was doing this. And last year was so fun because we did this, but now this year I happen to be sick. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Let's say someone who's pre and post married, like someone could be like, oh, last year I was married and this year I'm divorced. So like, it's kind of like a remembrance of like the different yes. stages you were last year or the year before. And people could be disappointed of where they are in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a comparison. Like it reminds you, like we always are reflecting back and right. comparing. Last year at this time. Right. Two years ago at this time, we did this and this mm -hmm. and this. And, you know, now I'm struggling with this. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is that like Yentiv is always a time to compare and contrast of like what was and what is now. But it's also that um, our memories aren't always accurate. What we tend to think about things in the past as being a whole lot better right. than they actually were. Right. Like, because we don't we don't really remember things. We remember our feelings about things. But right. the memory is, like, over time, things become better. Right. And so, therefore, like, when we're comparing, it's not really an accurate evaluation between the two. And so, even if Purim was amazing last year or even if it was not amazing, we're going to remember it as it was amazing or it was better than it was. Yeah. I think that Purim has a lot of messages. Right, we were people who were taught perm in school and the Megillah story. There's just a lot of lessons. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of messages that were taught, and some of them may not resonate um, with somebody, and some of them may struggle with some of those messages that are taught. Yeah, like you know, there's there's just first of all, like you know, Esther is like the savior. Um, you know how how in a sense of like you know that a woman has the power to save right. everything. And I think they also talk about her modesty, right? Yes, a lot. So about that's like that. you know, then like take it in religious institutions. I'm like, oh, look at her modesty. Modesty will save you. Mm -hmm. Modesty is what saves you. Modesty, you know, modesty, modesty, modesty. Yes, <laughs> modesty. <laughs> so there's a lot of society pressure or religious pressure there. Yeah, there's there's also like um the bad guy. Like at the end of the day, he gets justice, um, you know, because someone is hung and, right. you know, Vashti also gets killed. And so it's like the good people always prevail and the bad people always get what's coming to them. Right. But we don't always see that in life. Exactly. And that can be hard. Right. I think like there's also like this this aspect of like it's not what you appear to be. Like everything is like a facade of like you're in a costume, but like right. who's under the costume and like. That's a big, it's all about the mask. Yeah. You know, and then people get to dress up as something and that might people might resonate with people of wanting to be something different, right? Mm -hmm. This is a time where everybody's dressing up different. Everyone's dressing up funny. And then it might bring up for people like, yeah, who I am to the world is actually a facade. Right. Like it brings up the whole topic of like, who am I as a real person? Who am I presenting to the world? How do I want to be presented to the world? Right. And that's like a really, really like deep and complicated topic. And mm -hmm. if someone isn't is, doesn't even know that that's what they're thinking, but there's just like something's something's bothering them. Right. And then really it's this like huge complex conversation needs to happen of like, who are you as a person? Right. That's huge. And also like feeling split, like split between, between like the person I show and the person I feel I am. 
Yeah, when I worked um, in Evolve, which was an intensive outpatient program for Jewish um, teens suffering from, you know, alcohol or drug abuse or mental health issues, um, we, you know, we would do different groups, um, group processes, depending on what was coming up during the year, right? And like any hospital, like when it's a holiday, you talk about holiday. So because it was Jewish, we talk about perm. And I remember the art therapist doing like a mask activity with everyone. And these were the kind of topics I talked about when it came closer to perm mm-hmm. of like, who do you present to the world? How do you want to be presented to the world? What part of you is hidden? What part of you do you want, do you wish was hidden? Like all that concept. Like this is right. like, and these are not things that people really think about on a right. regular day. Like we don't sit and think about, I mean, we do because we're therapists. But like, I think most people don't sit and think about like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, what persona am I presenting to the world and how, right. how I wish I could take off that mask? I think also like being drunk takes off that mask. Right, which is so interesting. On the one hand, there's right. the mask, but on the other hand, as somebody drinks, like their tr- parts of their true self come in. Like, don't they say, like, you know, somebody's yeah. like their anger comes out. Like, yeah, I mean, drinking is. Uh, we didn't even get to that yet. That's, I think, a huge deal. Why people, why people like, but why maybe a lot of women yes. <laughs> dislike Purim, yeah. right? And we were talking about it, and I, and I loved when you said when you're like, okay, so like when you were like digging deeper, and you're like, okay, but why? What about drinking? Don't you like? I was like, yeah, I guess if I went around and drunk the whole day, then that would be fun. For for me. Mm-hmm. And then I think for a lot of people, they're kind of like, wait, why Why is the man the one that gets to drink the whole day? And as, let's say, a girl who's not married, if they would drink, that would be, like, scandalous, right? right? And then as a married woman, like, it's just obvious that you're the one that's taking care of the kids, you know? And then mm-hmm. that could bring up the feeling of, like, wait, what's my role here? Right. Why does this... And it was never discussed. I don't sit down with my husband and say, like, are you drinking or am I drinking this perm? I should try that. That would be quite funny. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you know, there's certain, let's say, household chores that people in some, you know, relationships discuss. Like, you do the dishes, I do the garbage. But, right. you know, I, f- I find that people don't – I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's people that are like, actually, we discuss it. But it's not, I'm taking for granted that in the circles that I know, people are mm-hmm. not sitting down like, okay, you're going to drink and I'm going to take care of the kids this perm. We can swap next year. Right. It's just, like, understood. And I think that it could bring up for people, like, what is my role here as a woman? Like, that whole huge, you mm-hmm. know, why is this gender – you know, inequality or is this fair or is this not fair or who says yeah. it's supposed to be this way? When I moved to Israel for when I got married and I lived in Israel, so the first year I dressed up, but I was told that you can't really dress up. Right. Like you in can per, in Israel, it's like super scandalous to dress up. Right. That's my seminary teacher so told it, me. So it's like, you know, those costumes that are sort of costumes, but not really a costume. Right. So that's what I did the first year. And after that, I realized I was the only woman who was doing yeah, anything. Yeah. And Do then for years, I did not dress up. It made Purim so sad for mm-hmm. me because like so much of Purim is like getting into it. And I, and I couldn't. And it was seen as like, it's not sneeze for a woman to dress up in America. Like, I'm so happy that we're, we're able to dress up because it's just fun and exciting. But there, like that to me was a huge loss of why could the men dress up and right. I can't? And and I understand it, you know, just in terms of like nobody does it there and then you don't want to stand out. But it felt like it was something that I was – that was being taken away from me, that I always grew up as being normal of. I didn't realize it was a bad thing to do this. Right. You know, but now now that I'm able to dress up, like I find it like that makes it exciting for me because I can be more involved. Like the more right. involved we can be in Purim and the more connected to it we can be, then I feel like it, it, yes. it ends up being better. And like so that, that brings us to the question of like, well, if women aren't able to get drunk, if women aren't – and I'm not saying that women should. Um, you know, but hypothetically, like if we look at it from this lens, like they can't get drunk. They also are not necessarily dressing up. Um, I recommend dressing up because it is a lot of fun. Um, you know, they're the ones that are doing the suda and cooking and preparing. They're the ones that are then like preparing the shalach manos as well, watching the kids. Like then in what ways can they connect to it right. to feel like they're a part of it and that they belong? Right. And it's also supposed to be the fu- this fun day and it's like not fun. I'm not dressing up. I'm not drinking. I'm mm-hmm. running after kids that are drinking from candy while my husband's like dancing on tables. Like 
this is not fun. It's right. never supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's also like there's the scary element of of like you know being around drunk people. Um, you know, right. on one hand, In terms it's of hilarious, like, but caretaking for a drunk person is not hilarious. Yeah, and I think that that's a lot of like triggers that I heard from clients over the years of like the drunk people were abused when people were drunk mm-hmm. in their history. Religious holidays, people were abused. Yeah. And just that whole concept of like religion, drunkness together is extremely triggering for many, mm-hmm. many, many people. I mean, a regular person that hasn't had any abuse around drunk, it's still like, ew, drunk. You know, when you get married right. and you have a husband that starts drinking, people tend to like be a little bit more like you get used to it, exposed to it, I guess. So it's not so scary. But like thinking about before I was married, it's like, ew, stay away from me. You know, anyone who's had any history of abuse connected to drunk. It, it's a it's it's a heart wrenching day. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has anything connection themselves suffering from an alcohol addiction or know a family member suffering from alcohol addiction, it's a heart wrenching day. Yeah, no, for sure, because like it's everybody around them. Everyone around them is drinking and drunk, and it's definitely going to bring back all those memories of loss of control and what can happen. And even if nothing happens, there's the potential for something to happen. And also there's the history where something that did happen. So that that also, it's like, it's interesting because on the one hand, it's the antif. On the other hand, like it's surrounded by drunkness. But I want to like clarify because like, I don't think like the way that people, um, the way that it plays out is not the way that it was intended always. And, and that's a, an important distinction of like, is this like, you know, this is a day where people are just drunk. Like, I don't know if that's always like how it was or how it was supposed to be. It's not how it's meant to me. And it's probably not a lot in a lot of people's homes. Right. Like either. I grew up, like, Same. like I grew up and nobody was drunk, like at right. least in my house, like not my father, not my brothers, like nothing in that sense, not my uncle. So I didn't really grow up with that. Like, you know, the, the little kid holding the father's hand as he's like limping back and forth, right. like home from to, shul. But but I think today, most people, that's what's happening, even if it wasn't meant to be. And that's not the day. The holiday isn't meant for everyone to go around and be drunk. That's not that's not what it's meant to be. And it's not how some of us grew up. And it's not how it is in some homes. I think most it is. I mean, like these yeshiva bachram going from house to house, drunk like crazy. Like when I have a child that age, it's probably really hard for me to what These kids are like, what, 16? Yeah. Younger? Mm-hmm. And they're going around drinking. Like that's crazy. Yeah. So Yeah. You're, that's a good point that you brought up. It's not meant to be. But the fact is, it is that way, I think, in, in most places. And right. that's why it's so hard for people. Yeah. I, rem- I mean, I've just had this memory of like when Shabbos, Erev Shabbos was Purim. And so therefore, like most people go into Purim drunk. So I remember like being in Rehavia, like we were, we had like a Simcha that week. And so we were going to the Simcha Hall. And I remember walking through the streets and on every single like, you know, sidewalk corner, like there was just like another guy throwing up and another guy just like laying there. And it was like on the one hand, like, oh my goodness, this is Shabbos. Right. But then again, like here they had such an amazing day for themselves. And like this is how they're going into the weekend. Like it happens to be I love Friday perms because it's just so much shorter. Mm. So I find like it's more contained. Yeah. And I think that like that for me at least is something that works. Like if I can contain that day, right? Because the day is like all over the place. There's let's say kids cranky from candy. There's people coming over the whole day. It's having to go visit all these people mm-hmm. on the list. It's drunk playing into the factor. It's the long suda at night. It's late bedtimes. It just gets overwhelming. I've personally found over the years, the thing that works for me is to try to contain it. So if that means midday when it gets a little quieter, instead of running out to another person, putting the kids for a nap or putting yeah. them in front of the TV for a little bit and having a little bit of downtime and just like, okay, clean up the house, mm-hmm. lay down in bed, look on my phone for a little bit relax and now I can go on to the Suda. Right. So I remember one year that we just didn't do that at all. We were just running and running, running. I collapsed by the Suda already. I was like, I want to go home. My husband's like, well, it's 5.30. We didn't even eat yet. And I was like, no, I want to go yeah. home. So I finally containing the day, mm-hmm. structuring the day, 
coming up with like a clear set of like, how is today going to look? Mm-hmm. I love that. What am I hitting today? What am I not hitting today? Like, yeah, obviously we want to be flexible if like something else comes up. But like overall, like let's sit down for a few minutes and discuss who are we going to, who are we not going to? Yeah. For me, Cam, my kids are young, so I understand like when your kids are older. I don't do the teachers thing. I give them the shelf money at school. I'm not going to teachers. Like I feel like my son is young enough that he doesn't need to go to his teachers mm-hmm. yet. So instead of driving around Muncie, and Muncie gets crazy, instead crazy. of driving around and going to places, let me just bring the teachers their gifts before school. Smart. And you know what? Yeah. I have so many memories of just like sitting in traffic yeah. for hours. Like you should not be driving on Purim like midday. Like from Brooklyn to Lakewood for the meal, from Muncie to Lakewood, from here to here. So yeah, we did that last year. It was the biggest mistake. Like we I was kind of thinking it's kind of nice though because you have an hour and a half break of just in the car. No, but it, when I'm sitting in that car, if there's any traffic, You're I get bugging. so yeah. Where it's I like know, I'm wasting traffic. my whole Purim like sitting in the car on traffic. Right. Like because it goes back to like to for you at least like oh this yeah. is supposed to be fun. Exactly. I'm wasting my time and I'm just kind of like how can we have this most relaxed. We're so different in our Kinda approach. Kind of sitting in the car the whole day. Kind of sounds relaxing. <laughs> Maybe I will drive to Baltimore for my Burham student this year. <laughs> there was one year where, um, where COVID year, where it broke out around Purim time. And so in Israel, everybody was deciding, should we go back? Should we not go back? Like, are yes. we going to get locked here? Are we not going to get right. locked in here? I mean, Purim in Muncie that year or in New York, we didn't realize it was right. COVID. Yeah. Didn't, it didn't but hit you, but by us, started. it hit already. And so everyone was deciding like whether they should go. The problem was is that if they would go on Purim, they would miss their whole Purim on the plane. And there were a couple of people who missed Purim that year because they took the flight home because they didn't know what would be. And so I'm thinking, like, maybe that would have worked for you. (laughs) Take a plane on Purim. (laughs) To make a plane. Yeah, Yeah, because then you lose the time difference, the seven hours. It's not that I hate Purim. But you know what? Right. I'm just talking about I like to have it. I'd like to make sure that I have downtime and it's a contained structured day. Right. I don't like this like craziness. Mm-hmm. I try really hard to give the kids breakfast in the morning and for myself to eat normal food. I don't want to eat so candy important. the whole day. Honestly, there's no like when people complain like that my kids ate candy the whole day, like I kind of steal the shelf on us and like hide it. As it's coming, it's throwing out and putting away. Like there's mm-hmm. one like I, I try as much as possible. You can have a candy now, there's not another candy for an hour. Mm-hmm. Don't you that. appreciate like the people who give like real food in their shalachmanosis? Yeah. Those are the best. But but I want to like, you know, just to take a step back because what we're talking about, like, you know, getting through param or like avoiding it or escaping it, like that was a theme that came up a lot in the sessions like that I've that I've had recently, um, where people are saying, like, what can I do to like get rid of the param day? Or what can I do to just like make it pass? as quick as possible and like I understand it like understand you know needing to work on Purim in order to like make the, the time pass or needing to volunteer more or needing to like you know go to the basement and just like watch some movies um, you know for that in order to like make it pass but I think what happens is is that when people make those decisions like they feel guilty because they feel like they should be doing something else right. um, on that day um, and, and so like I think it is normal for people to be doing those things like it does happen they wish it wasn't that way but at the same time like they're not sure how else to fill it and the feelings and the associations and the expectations are just so strong that then they feel like they they need to like just like let's get through this and let it be over with already yeah. which is sad yeah and you know and something that might want to be worked through of like what's break, what's coming up for you that makes this day hard because at the end of the day we don't want to like survive something we want to thrive right. through it so that doesn't mean that you have to run around and go have the funnest perm and if going to the basement and watching TV the whole day is what gets you through it, then that's what you need to do in this moment. Mm-hmm. But I think that it could be for some people a goal to work through, like, what's something that I can find a little bit of happiness or a little bit of peace in this day? Yeah. Maybe for me, it's going to visit a friend. Maybe it's driving from Muncie to Brooklyn, you know? So <laughs> Try and, the plan. And go visit to one friend and give them a shalach mana. So at least I, ha- I, I do feel like I connected to this holiday. So again, I'm saying whatever coping skill you need to do to get through yeah. the day, it's important to do that. But I do think it could be a goal to look through the day and say, what can I do today that I feel like I connect to myself as a person, as a woman? Right. You know, um, what can I do to connect to this holiday? What can I do co- to connect to other people? Mm-hmm. Kind of using the word of connection as like the 
right. the guide? How can I find a little bit of connection, whether it's to myself, whether it's the mm -hmm. society? How does that look for me? What is something small that I can do today to make it a day that I can look back and say like, oh, mm -hmm. that was something. That meant something. It was a right. good day. At least you don't feel like you had to survive the day, but you actually got something out right. of it for yourself. Preparation is so important. The more you prepare and also to understand what is it that you want to get out of Purim. And what is it, it that's bothering you? And what is it that's bothering you? What is it that you want to get out of it? And then go and plan it. Like and do something about it. So that we prepare. The better off you go in with the right mindset, the more you're going to like, likely, the likelihood of that the day is going to go much better for you. Right. Because for an example, if you realize that drunk men are what's really hard for you, you might want to go to North Miami Beach. There's mm -hmm. barely any drunk men there. I was there one year for Purim. I was like, where are the men? There's no yeshiva bakram. There's cute little families going over to each other. And I was like, what is happening? So if you can mm -hmm. dig deep and find out what really bothers me about this holiday, then maybe you could prepare for something right. that can help you. I think for me personally, like what is the hardest about Purim? And, you know, in general, I do really love Purim. Um, what I find the hardest is the pressure. And I think the pressure is, like I said earlier, of like the expectations of like getting the most out of the day. Like it has to be fun. It has to be happy. It has to be exciting. But I think it's also the pressure of like, this is a, a day to daven and you have to like get the most out of davening. So right. if the day is so busy, how am I also having time to daven? And how am I also having time to say mincha and to, and to say tehillim? And a lot of times like I don't get to any of it. And like letting go of I should be doing that or the pressure in terms of like um, everything being like amazing. So let's say in terms of like having pictures. Everybody is posting their pictures and it's like, oh, that family looks so cute and that family looks so cute you and they look so happy. I must take No, actually. <laughs> but, but then it becomes like a certain pressure. I take professional pictures on Purim. Or you do I'm the joking. day before Purim. You don't have to do it on Purim. That's a good idea. See? Good when you idea. brainstorm, you see how new things come No, because up. if you find, if you make a list of like, what do I, I have so many pressures. I want to dive in. I want to go to my friends. I want to dress cute. And you sit and you actually think about it and write down your list. You can make expectations of what can I do? I want to take you pictures. But on Purim, it gets so crazy. Dress up the day before, right. take you pictures, boom, mm -hmm. that's good. So you kind of, you, you you know, you look, you think a little bit, what's going to bother me? What's going to be hard for me? What do I want to get done? What are ex my expectations? How can I make that happen? Mm -hmm. And also look at what didn't work last year and what did work. Use your past as a guide for what will work this year. If last year sitting in traffic was awful for me, I'm not going outside of the area then. Or, you know, if, if last year all the costumes weren't organized, make them organized this year so that way I know it's not going to get lost. We are not going to lose that clown shoe <laughs> again. So it's sort of like preparing like in advance. Also, like the sugar highs are really bad. And like I remember like, you know, sometimes I'll eat breakfast or sometimes I'm just so rushed with McGill and everything I forget. Then later on, I'm just cranky. Right. So it's like, oh, I didn't eat today. Make right. sure that I'm eating a normal meal before the Suda. Um. This can be very controversial, but like for me, exercise is really important. Like maybe sneak a little time to do exercise in the morning. Yeah. I know that's like a crazy ask because there's like Megilla and then the whole day. But like maybe there's some time to sneak off so that way I do feel not like I just ate tons of candy the whole day and like right. I haven't moved. So I was on Perm. Like I, I entered into like, you know, someone's house for Shalach Manos. Like, and um, one of the people who lived in the home were just like coming home from the gym. And as a kid, like I remember looking and being like, wait, like. Right. You went to the gym. You on went Purim. to the gym on Purim. Like to me, it felt like it's Shabbos or it's like a Yuntif. Right. Like I mean, it, know, it is. Just, it is. It is. But it, it's funny. Like as a kid, like how I perceive right. that is like, where's your costume? Right. Like, and that might have been like, something that that person needed so that way they could have the right. best rest of the day for their kids, for their family, for themselves. Right. Like in the beginning, it was confusing. Like as a kid, I don't think I could comprehend right. like why is an adult like not doing everything that us kids are doing. But now I completely understand why somebody would need that and why that would be so so fine. Yeah. Yeah, I really like like where we're coming with this about like sitting down and like realizing like what is my triggers about the day and what can I do to make sure I get whatever expectations I need to mm -hmm. meet on the day. And once you decide that, be okay with your decision. 
Like, even if it's not what you thought your perm would look like, even if it's not what everybody around you, like, if you feel like, you know, this person is doing this, but I'm, you know, I'm going to work or I'm going to the gym or I am like, you know, taking a rest for a bit, like to sort of like be content with the decision that you made because you know it works for you in your situation. Everybody has their own situation. But I want to go back because I think like one of the hardest things about perm is the comparing and the contrasting and the jealousy of, you know, like looking at like whose pictures are the cutest. And who has um, really nice picture Alphonas because mine are definitely not going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like who has a cute theme? Like who got a good family picture and put it on their Shalchmanos beforehand? And who was the one that spent the most money on it? And right. who is the one? I'm sure money comes up a lot for people. Yeah. I know for myself, it's very interesting actually because I grew up where my mom gave out these really nice Shalchmanos. We're talking about like baked cakes, like cakes for people wow. with orchid pines. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually. And I am, like, so fine with giving, like, nothing. <laughs> I'm literally, like, made my fuchsia off one. And after that, it's like, oh, thank you so much. Ran out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I I think it's, like, yeah, that, like, comparing and contrasting for people could be really hard. And I think, like, for me, I'm so busy that I just don't have the time to, like, make a nice off one. Mm-hmm. So I became so okay with that. Like, I'm doing something really easy. You know, you talked about so many pressures that come up. And I think, like, even like who's like waiting for people to come to your house? Like, mm-hmm. Is anyone gonna come? Right. Like and how like, many friends do I I'm have? As I'm saying that, I can feel like for myself, like oh wow, like yeah, I think that does come up for me every year, and I'm sure for so many people, like oh, like how come that person didn't come? Mm-hmm. You know, and how come? I think it's like a time where people like do accounting and a tallying of like how many friends do I have? Who really likes me? Like who's going to give me shalakmanos? Who's not going to give me shalakmanos? Like it becomes like a popularity contest a bit. Yeah, I mean I need to count like like, how many people should I even make shalakmanos for? I'm like how many people are going to come to me? Three? All right. Three shalakmanos is what we're going to do this year. Sure, are you going to come? Four. Yay. (laughs) We came last year. I know. (laughs) Four now. Okay. Got to go buy four shalakmanoses. But like I'm I'm Mm -hmm. making light of it. But at the end of the day, like I think that like every year I'm left with a few extra ones. Yeah. You know, and, and the it can, can bring up insecurities for mm-hmm. myself included of like, right, you know. Yeah. Like I, like I always like tell myself like a lot of my friends don't live in the area. So it's like there's no expectation that I'm going to them and that they're coming to me. And like sometimes like I'll send something in the mail, but other times Sweet. like, yeah, I used I to should do, do that. that. Like, you know, for my friends in Israel, like to send something in the mail. And That's then, like, nice. Yeah. But then over time it just got like crazy expensive. And I'm like, okay, I love you. Like <laughs> you'll get a text and a picture. <laughs> exactly. But, but um, like, it's, it's just a way to like connect to say, I'm thinking about you. Like, you know, you're still in my mind. Um, But I, I think like with the locals, like, that's the question of, like, who am I sending to? Who am I not sending to? Like, it it, it becomes, like, accounting and just, just like, a reminder. Like, in, in high school, it was definitely like that of, like, everyone, like, brought their shalachmanos, like, two days before. And it was, like, who's going to get? Who's well, not going to get? school? Yeah. Well, you didn't go to people's houses? We went to our friends' houses. No. I don't know if Brooklyn's different than Muncie. Yeah. Why is Stuart to get around in Brooklyn? Well, you can't give to 30 people. You can't drive to 30 houses. Well, you, crazy thir- you went to school 30 shalachmanoses? A lot of times, yeah. Really? I yeah. Yeah. that. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people. We looked forward to like the end of the day to see how many we were going home with. Oh, it was so like, nice. Who we could carry like, like, you know, the most bags? And then you would go to a couple of friends. But if you think about it, if you live in Flabbish and your friend lives in Kensington and your other friend lives so. in Borough Park, Muncie, like, everything's like to tough. get there, right? Muncie's not as bad, even though the traffic over the years got crazy. But like back then, it wasn't crazy. But you know, one of my friends did last year, she just like texted, like, hey, does everyone like want to come meet here? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was nice. That's really cute. Yeah. But that's also like taking, you know, the privilege of having a friends group. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so so there is a lot about like the friendships, like so besides for like you know the drunkenness and besides for the costumes, the expectations. So basically, there is so much. There's so much. That's, that's there's so much that's coming up. up. For on yeah, there is a lot that's coming up, and like if you think about it, like it's 24 hours, not including the fast and not including Shushan Purim, but it's 24 hours. But within that 24 hours, like so many people's triggers could be hit upon. Right, and like you add not eating right, you add sugar, 
you had drinking, mm -hmm. you had not sleeping right, you had having your kids home for three days. Yeah. And then it's Pesach coming up also. Everything trigger is blown, right? Anything small, yeah. any small little insecurity of like, hey, how come that friend didn't come to me? You had not eating. Woo! You are not sleeping. Woo. And suddenly something small can be so crushingly overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it becomes magnified. It gets yeah. more magnified than you would like it to be. And then there's the judgment of why is this happening to me? Like, what am I doing? What's going on? And so like there's, there's feelings about the feelings that you're having. And before you know it, perm can be a whole disaster. Yeah. And we don't want that. Right. We want to set you up, set myself up. Yes. For a day of success. Mm -hmm. So the theme of Purim and the theme of Adar is being happy and be besimcha. And I think that that's such a like triggering word um, of what does like happy really mean? What does simcha really mean? And I myself sometimes get confused of like happy, like am I happy? Is this happy? Right. Like what does happiness look like? Am I what supposed is, to be happy? Am is I supposed to be happy? Is that the goal? And I think like inherent in society is like you have to always be happy. The goal of life is to be happy. But then like what does happy feel like? And what does happy look like? Right. And I think that gets blurred. And I hope that we can like delve into that a bit today. So that way like we can gain an understanding of like for ourselves and for others like what does happiness like really mean and how do we attain it and what does it feel like when we attain it yeah this bringing up a really funny story when i was in eighth grade i had like a tutor so i would like go out of class and i would learn with her separately and then the end of the year she gave me a book on happiness mm. i think that she saw something but that was definitely not the solution <laughs> <laughs> yeah in seminary there was this book called um feeling happy by David Burns. And I think it was like just talking about like schemas and like cognitive distortions and like how our mind plays tricks with us. Um, but there are so many books out there about happiness because yeah. people are running towards happiness of saying, I have to be happy, I have to be happy. But like, do we even know what that means? Right. And, you know, one of the things like my, my first association to like what is happiness is like the more materialistic things you have, like the more it's going to make you happy or the more you are investing towards something, the more happy you're going to be. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like the more the more you have, it's not necessarily the more happiness. Right. Yeah, listen. I think also like um, fun, like the like to, like one of my earlier associations is like you're happy if you're having fun. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. like it's fun happiness. Right. Like fun is like laughing and Adrenaline just like, high. Yeah, on a high. Exactly. Like active. Going like having shopping so much. is fun. Buying mm -hmm. a lot of things. So it like kind of ties into the materialism. I'm like, oh yeah, then I'm happy. Right. Like, but, but is that really happy? Right. And I think we see like a lot of people suffering from addiction. We see that they kind of have that trait of where they're like chasing the next high, right? Yeah. So they need to do things that are super fun and they need to run after and do things like that have the adrenaline pumping, like going for a run or going skiing because that kind of keeps them not using drugs. And a lot of the work is learning to live at like a lower base level mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Because happiness isn't running after the next thing in your career or the next materialistic or having the funnest day ever. Mm -hmm. Happiness, I mean, I don't know what the definition of happiness is, but right now what's coming up to me is like, it's living this like kind of satisfied, content life and being okay with who you are and the people that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. If that's like a description that I would just throw out there. And like, that's a very lofty goal. But I think like people tend to think that like, no, happiness is, is having the funnest day ever or buying the most things and yeah. just living a life on a high. Right. It's almost like we need to live life as a 10. But life is not always a 10. Sometimes right. it's a one, two, three. Sometimes it's a six. Like life is never 
just a straight line and that straight line of just like happiness. Right. Like, and it's definitely, even if it is a straight line, it's not a straight line of 10. Right. No, it's not more in the middle, 10. right? Yeah. So one being a bad day, 10 being the best day. Happiness is being able to slowly go kind of up and down without shooting up and down. Right. I, I sort of like want to obliterate the word like happiness just because like it's just too confusing. Like I think like right. with, with like happiness, like what, what does it mean? Like you said, I mean, it's like satisfaction. It's just, it's just like a certain contentness. Like, and I think like, you know, obviously like life should be generally like neutral and then there's some ups and a little bit of downs but like it shouldn't be like so far from the center exactly like and and but but if we're expecting it to be like a peak and like an extreme like amazing right. things like that's not realistic if you want to live life on a 10 i think you're going to be really disappointed and we're going to see that leading to people to using substances to make them feel a 10 because yeah. it's not we're not naturally meant to feel at level 10 right like some days are we're just supposed gonna to have be... a good day once in a while that we feel a 10 if mm -hmm. we do something really fun and then sometimes we do feel that low on the next day, but that's life. Yeah, exactly. Like there's some days that are more exciting. There's some days that are less exciting. There's some days that nothing goes on. There's some days that tons of things go on. I think there's an expectation of like you always have to be doing something and there always has to be something going on and you always have to be really excited about it or something to look forward to and have tons of fun. And like it's important to have something to look forward to, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have a thrill every day. Right. Every day is not a thrill. Some days are, you know go to work, do what you have to do, like raise a family. And it's just pretty neutral. It's not going to be this like, wow, amazing. And, you know, sometimes like I find like, if I have like a regular day, flat day, like, you know, just go to work, do what I have to do. Um, but afterwards, when I'm talking to somebody about that day, I can make it more exciting than it actually was, like just to make me feel more excited about it. Okay. So like reflecting on it in a more thrilling way of like, do you want to hear this funny thing? So I'll give you an example. Um, so on Shabbos, we take this little shortcut. And so we got permission from like one of the neighbors. We don't really know them so well, but they give us permission to like do a shortcut. So that way, like it's closer to Shul. And um, as we're walking home from Shul, like we see somebody pulling up in the driveway and they say to us, it's private property. And um, I'm thinking private property, like we have permission to go on this private property. So like they're probably just a visitor and they don't realize. And so we're like, no, we got permission from this person. And they're like, well, that's not their house. Their house is on the other yeah. side. <laughs> and um, at that moment, I felt like, oh, my goodness, I'm back into like, you know, getting in trouble right. from the principal's office. Like, oh, no, this is so not like me. So um, afterwards, though, I was telling my friend the story. And when I told the story, like, I said it a lot more exciting than it was when it actually happened. And that made me more excited about the story. So that made the day exciting rather than what happened. It was my perception of it and how I related over. And I think we do that a lot with like stories of like, it wasn't so funny in the moment necessarily. But when we talk about it with somebody and we right. connect with somebody over the story, it just becomes like so much more dramatic and so much more exciting. That that's what gives us more satisfaction. And I think like when we use the word, like let's say happiness or satisfaction is the more people we're going to have in our life and the more connection we're going to have in our life, the more satisfied we're going to feel. Going through life alone is dull. You can have the funniest thing happen, but if you have no one to share it with, it's not going to be fun. Right. You can have an experience or do an activity, but if it's not with another person, it's not exciting. And if it's not with a person that you connect with. So connection is what brings the satisfaction. And I think like if we're looking for the thrill through an activity or looking through a thrill through buying something or materialism or having like a certain experience, the experience is only as good as the pe as the person or the people that you're with in that moment. Yeah. And so maybe like that's the key towards happiness is who are you around? Who are you with? Like some of the best like, you know, exciting things for me were just sitting with friends doing nothing, right. just talking, just connecting, just, you know, over over like a dinner or something. It doesn't need to be this like extreme high of like, it didn't look like a high, but it felt like a high. And I think we have to distinguish between like what looks like a high is not necessarily what feels like a high. And so we have to see what feels like a high for us. What does that connection feel like? Yeah.
I mean, it's so true. Like, I remember, like, in seminary, I had, like, a group of my – it was, like – so it was, like, Shabbos before Lag Momer, and, like, a group of friends were going to Meron. But then, like, my friends who I wanted to hang out with, they were going to, like, Yamal just to chill. And I was, like, no. It's, like, my seminary year. Like, I need to, like, have the Lag Momer experience. So I went with a different group of friends that, like, I wasn't really connecting with and vibing with. Like, I had such a bad Shabbos. I mean, mm-hmm. besides the point that, like, we literally found a dirty diaper in the apartment that we were renting. Yeah, like, besides <laughs> that point. Besides the point that we waited six That's hours gross. to get a bus back to Yerushalayim. Besides that point. It just, it wasn't so fun. And then, like, I come back to the dorm and, like, my friends were at Yamal, had this, like, big tan and, like, all relaxed. And I'm just, like, I chose the experience over the people. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was a lesson where I was, like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. No. If you're with the right people, you're going to have the better trip. And I needed, I can listen, I needed to, I needed to do the Log Bomber experience. I didn't have such a great time. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was a big lesson to me in the moment of that, like, I need to pick people over what I'm doing. Yeah. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're with. Exactly. And when you're with good people, like that connection and that belonging feels so much more amazing than any activity. Like I've done like some crazy activities, but if I didn't do it with somebody, when I didn't do it with somebody that I didn't like, it was awful. I think that when we surround ourselves with the wrong people, that that could be hard. And I think that's what comes up for a lot of people, like connecting it back to Purim. It's that people don't always have a choice when they're hanging out with Purim. Mm-hmm. It's let's say family, and it might not be the people that, you know, make you feel the best in the moment. Yeah, and, and also, like, they might not be available, like, availability of people. Like, it takes time. Like we said in our Friends episode, right, we talk a lot about, like, how you're surrounding yourself by people, it, and it's so important to, like, connect with friends and to find friends and put effort and to pay for friends. Um, but not always can you get that friend or get that person who you really like and connect with. You can't always choose who you're going to be around. And not everyone is available, and especially as we get older. Like, I find, like, it's so much harder. Everyone has so many more yeah. responsibilities. Like, to get friends to come over for Shabbos is not as, as easy as it used to be. Um, and so, like, we have to plan months in advance in order to work. But then last minute, things pop up and it doesn't always work out. And so, but but we know that connection with the right people feels so much better than yeah, doing it. I think it. we talked a lot about, like, happiness and, like, the highs. Mm-hmm. Of people like trying to attain a high to feel happy. Let's talk a little bit about like the lows, you know, because I always like to think of like, let's say life is like this baseline. So here's the highs, here's the lows. And life mm-hmm. is like, we're trying to stay in the middle. So we kind of touched upon like the highs that people are trying to attain to feel happy. I want to talk about people that want to feel happy, but are feeling so low. Mm-hmm. People who are on the bottom end of the spectrum, what they can do to to feel okay with where they're at in the moment and how to get more to baseline. Right. You know, there's certain people like, just because of life situation or chemical imbalances, they're feeling life a little bit on a low. And they just, mm-hmm. they want to be neutral. They want to be happy. They want to feel fulfilled and satisfied. And I think Perm can bring up a lot of that for people on that day of like, look, everyone's running around and smiling and, you know, maybe I can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't have the energy to really think of a costume this year. So I think like, you know, when, when and we talked a lot about like going from a high to a neutral, like if you were expecting the high, like you should just settle for the neutral a bit um, and recognize that that's what most of life looks like. And um, I think like we should talk a little bit about like if somebody is feeling depressed or down, like wh- what can they do to get to a more neutral space or what can they do to get through Purim? Because Purim then is like the antithesis of what it is and the exactly. opposite of what it is that they are experiencing. So it's like feeling depressed, 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 depressed. But then I'm told, be happy. Right. Or, or then everyone fun. around me is like laughing and smiling and trying to like yeah. drag me into the meal. You yeah, know, that's like the worst. Else. It's like if you're like feeling down, everybody else is like, no, perk up a bit or, right. you know, be happier. And it's like, no, like, Why it's, not like it's a mismatch. Why are you right. not smiling? Why are you not joining for the meal? Right. You know, all these things could just make the place that you're being so much harder to be in. Right. Exactly. I think like sometimes like, you know, like match the room. Like sometimes like, you know, you might not like leave open the opportunity for it to go well. Um, right. Because like you that might. That is huge. Because yeah. like, you know, if you're just like 
no, this, you know, I'm feeling depressed or I am depressed and this is just not, this is not the day for me. You're not living room to change it. Exactly. If you're like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I didn't get dressed this year, but maybe I can go see what everyone's costumes like and just like be open to the space of like, maybe it will make me feel a little better to mm-hmm. see like all my nieces and nephews dressed up. Right. Even if the depression stays, give yourself the opportunity for it to change. Give That's yourself really the opportunity good. to think differently, to see something like you never know, like maybe even one thing will make you smile. One right. thing will make you feel like, oh, that's a cute costume. Right. Well, or if, if you're not cute... open to the possibility, then for sure nothing's changing. Right. Like, that's it. Because it all starts with ourselves and our mm-hmm. mind. So if you're not open to it, we're not saying anything is going to change if you are open to the possibility, but at least you're trying yeah. or at least there's a chance for it to happen. Exactly. Like keep, keep your eyes open and also structure yourself in a way that you have opportunities. So plan to go out, plan to be around people, plan to do something that has the potential to work out. Right. So that way, like if it does, great. But it's almost like, you know, sometimes like with depression, like it, people are stuck in bed and, and they just feel heavy. Their body feels heavy. Getting dressed feels heavy. Every single task feels so heavy. And in that moment, like we can't minimize like how hard it is to just pull through mundane tasks. Right. And, but you know, sometimes within that, there's a little spark of energy or you start seeing a little bit more color in your day. And you then can push yourself into the structure that you've created before. So if you planned something, then it can force you to do it. Right. Also, like, opportunity begets opportunity, Mm -hmm. I feel like that. So if you're going to stay in your room the whole day, then nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. You go outside and you're like, you know what? I will take a 10-minute walk. You might then meet a dancing group of drunk boys, and that might bring you some joy for some reason. Exactly. So you're giving yourself the opportunity to come across another opportunity. You might say, you know what? Fine. I'll go visit that one friend that accepts me the way I am. And then when you're visiting that one friend, she might be like, hey, I'm going to a different friend. Will you come with me? Mm-hmm. But if you're going to stay in your room, then nothing's changing for sure. Right. So- I really love that because like, I don't think it's just like if somebody who's feeling down and depressed, like, you know, for, for them to like take that approach. I think with everybody, take yeah, that approach. Yeah, this is like a totally a life yeah. approach. 100%. Like, it's, it's just like a life approach of like, I'm going to plan as much as I can and in the hopes that something is going to hit. It's like, yeah. you know, playing darts where like you throw a bunch of them and you hope that one hits the center. So it's like planning a bunch of things and some of them are going to make you feel great and some of them are not. But yeah. you're hoping no, that some of them This is like literally like a life thing about the opportunity thing. Like, even just, I remember when I moved back to America from Israel and I was like, I need a job, I need a job. And I wasn't finding anything I liked. I was like, you know what, just take one. Yeah. Because you're going to meet people from exactly. that job. So I took a job that I didn't like. And then that led me to meet people. And then I got a different job. But like, you just have to start somewhere. Right. You know, so this is with everything. Like, oh, I'm so bad at working out. Well, just go to a workout class. Maybe you'll meet a friend. Maybe you'll meet a new idea. So everything, like opportunities kind of just bring on new opportunities mm-hmm. always, no matter where you are in your life. You just have to do the action. Like you just have to cross the threshold exactly. in order to allow it, to, for you to be a receptor for it. Exactly. Yeah. And um, like in terms of like also like if somebody is feeling depressed as well, like and they're looking at everybody else and like they're constantly feeling like, you know, why am I not like that? Like, why can't I be like that? I think there's like also just like a certain acceptance of like, this is where I'm at now. Right. Like I've done all the up, like I've done everything to give myself the most opportunities. But like I'm going to meet myself where I'm at because if we fight ourselves or we fight our emotions at that moment, then it just makes it worse. And we don't want to escalate it. We want to like have a certain acceptance of like, this is just what the day is going to be. This is just what's happening. This is just how I'm feeling. I can't necessarily like do much to change it. We have to like have an acceptance while also planning, while also hoping for something to change. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, so today we like, we we spoke about like happiness and um, how happiness is so confusing and how we can have like a different understanding of what happiness actually is rather than like what we've been like, what we've been told to think about it. Yeah, that was great. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. All righty. Bye-bye.